Hello and welcome to this week's opening bell. I'm Boxing News Editor Tris Dixon, joined back in the saddle by Matt Christie. Matt, how's it going? Yeah, it's going well. It's going well. Good. Good to be back. Good. Nice to have you back. Um, so there's quite a lot to discuss actually this week, not least the, the power list which has already sparked a, f a, few, a couple of furious mess text messages and cross tweets that have come my way. But um, start things off, Brian Rose fell short in uh, New York against Demetrius Andrade. Not a massive upset, is it? No, no it wasn't. I, th I don't think anybody really um, expected Rose to win. I think some perhaps were not expecting the win to be quite as emphatic as it was. Um, but, you know, Rose gave it his all, but ultimately he was completely outclassed. Rose says that Andrade might well be the future of boxing. Do you think he could be that big, or do you think he was just simply too good for Brian Rose? Um, I think he was all wrong for Brian Rose in many ways. I think, you know, with, with all, you know, with all giving... Brian Rose, maximum respect for going out there, for getting the world title shot in the first place. Um, I think we need to see how Andrade performs against um, some more established, some more accomplished light middleweights before we can start saying he's the future of boxing. But I did like what I saw, um, and he has got. And if he can, if he can continue, because I think the biggest criticism of Andrade has always been um, that perhaps he didn't have the necessary spite to thrill. Um, but he certainly exhibited that on Saturday night and if he can carry on like that he, we may well have a star of the future. Where would you put him right now in the mix with the likes of Erislandi, Lara and Canelo who fight in a couple of weeks time? Do you know what I wouldn't be surprised if, if I mean that to me that fight is fascinating I'm struggling to pick a winner I'm a bit perplexed as to why uh, Canelo's team have gone in with someone like Lara but you've got to put you've got to put Andrade below them at this point both have I think achieved um, wins over superior opposition how do you bring, bring Brian Rose back from this um, I don't know I mean it depends where where he wants to go um, certainly at world level he was found wanting he's probably not gonna get any better although he was saying afterwards he you know he'd learned so much from it um, you know, what is there for him at domestic level? Does he want to move up to middleweight? Um, there's certainly still a future there for him, but very often you can see, you see in fighters that go and, and dip their waters, that go and, dip, go and dip their toes into world title waters, that they then find it hard to, to cope back at domestic level. So we'll see, we'll see how he gets on. How the motivation stands and everything yeah, else. Exactly. Like yeah, exactly. Do you, do you criticise Brian Rose or promoter Eddie Hearn for taking the fight? I've seen some interesting things and, and you know, um, Matchroom have, you know, a, a, um, netted a lot of world title fights that, let's face it, for their fighters, British fighters, that looked unwinnable from the start and you do kind of wonder, well, you know, what's the point in taking those? Gavin Reese springs to mind against Adrian Broner. Um, there's been some other guys that have gone out to America as massive underdogs and not come back with a title. Um, but ultimately, um, Brian Rose fought for a world title. He was undoubtedly paid handsomely for it. Um, I mean, what, what, why knock him? But there comes a point where a promoter will have to find out, with someone who, like Rose who's seasoned, who's been at European level, who's got a win over a guy who's on the world scene in Maciel, um, there comes a time where you've got to sink or swim and maybe get the guy his pension fight and cash in on him. 
And I mean, this isn't the first or last time, like you said, you mentioned Reese. Remember Gary Lockett fighting Kelly Pavlik? Yeah. No one really gave Gary Lockett much of a chance. Same with Michael Jennings against Cotto. But going back further still, no one gave Lloyd Hunnigan a chance against Don Curry. He went over there to make up the numbers. Mm. You mm. just never know what will happen, do you? I mean, obviously, you can, you, can, you can have a fair estimation that nine times out of ten, these guys who do get into mandatories will will be sent packing, but you never know in this sport. No, and I do. I, I think some of the criticism has been harsh of, um, of the fact that these fights have been engineered for, for matchroom fighters, but ultimately, was Brian Rose ever going to get a world title shot on home soil? Extremely unlikely. Um, and how would he do with Canelo or Lara? Exactly, exactly. Okay, interesting. On the card, people were saying that they thought Ruslan Provodnikov might well walk through Chris Algieri. Looked like he was going to in the first round, but it didn't turn out to be the case. Um, we had Jack Hirsch ringside, whose reports pretty colourful. We got some cracking shots of the fight in there as well, with Algieri with his eyes shut and trying to peer through at Provodnikov. I think if, if someone had said that Algeria would beat Provodnikov with one eye before the fight, you would have asked them what they were taking, wouldn't you? Yeah, it was a massive, it was a massive shock. Um, perhaps, and obviously hindsight is a wonderful thing, perhaps Provodnikov went into it overrated, perhaps he went in overconfident. But I think one of the most telling things for me was that Provodnikov, at the end of the fight, you know, you can understand why he was frustrated with the decision. You can understand why he was frustrated with Algeria's tactics. Um, but at the end of the fight, he just turned around and he just said, "Well, I don't do, I don't deal with those kind of fighters very well. I want someone to stand in front of me." So more or less, to me, they're saying you can, you know, he, he, he's really put himself, he's, he's really put himself in a bit of a cage there. Um, in that, smart boxers will always have the better of him. He'll always struggle against them. Um, and I think there's a, there, is, there is a lot of truth in that. There is a lot of truth in that. I was surprised there was so much outcry about the decision. Um, I thought Algeri boxed wonderfully once he'd got over that initial, you know, shelliking in the first round. Um, and the fact that he did it while his eye was swelling up beyond belief was, was even more impressive. Algeri's talked about now wanting the Pacquiao fight later this year, but do you see that Provodnikov might still get that chance? It's happened before, hasn't it, when we've had an upset like uh, Zab Judah, for example. Was it Zab Judah? And Baldemir. Yeah. And Matt Baldemir got the got the yeah. Mayweather shot. Yeah, 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 yeah. But then Judah still got but his fight. But then Judah still got it. So it may, it may work out something like that. Um, not that excited by Algeria as, as, as much as I admired his effort. Um, I would still much rather see Provodnikov against Manny Pacquiao. The um, one man licking his lips at this fight and the outcome's got to be Marquez, isn't it? Because he's now in the driving seat as the, as arguably Pacquiao's leading suitor. Yeah, that's and true. Command more, more money. That's true. Does, I mean, it's another discussion. Does Marquez want it? I'm not convinced that he does. He hasn't convinced me that he wants it. But as you say, money makes the world go round. There's a lot of money to be made there. But for me, I would still rather see Provodnikov Pacquiao than, than anything else. What, in terms of top rank? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. What yeah. they can make. Okay, interesting stuff. Provodnikov is going to be in some fun fights. It's going to be interesting to see where they go with Algeria now, because obviously there's some big shows going on in New York, so he, he's, he's another 
feather in the cap for the Barclays Centre, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. I mean, just as a matter of it, I think I have actually, but did you did you score the fight? Did you believe that? I you? didn't actually score it round by round. My gut feeling at the end was that Provodnikov was a round or two up. Right, right. Particularly when you take into account the 10-7 yeah, first round. Yeah. It makes you want, you know, because to, to give it to Algeria, I think you'd have to give him, what, something like eight rounds after yeah. that? And obviously, I, I don't think I would have given him eight out of the 11 rounds by any stretch of the imagination. So I think Provodnikov uh, did enough, but you know, it's one of those where unless you're scoring it, you can't say yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I don't know. That was a, but you know, Algeria's another player. He, he will be overlooked. He sort of, do you know what that fight reminded me of actually as I was watching it? It reminded me a bit of um, Malinaja against Cotto. You know, right, the guy right, who was yeah. sort of almost seen to be the pretty boy and sort of, you know, not a massive puncher and, you know, skilled, but, you know, not quite there. Obviously, he wasn't talking the sort of smack that Paulie used to talk before yeah, his fight. Yeah. But it was a, a sort of similar show where, where I think he, he defined himself. And although Paulie's had massive fights since the Cotto fight, that to me is the one that everyone remembers him for because that was the one where he backed up everything that he'd ever needed to back up in that mm. one fight. And Algeria's gone and done that now, hasn't he? Yeah, 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 no, definitely, definitely. Okay. Um, we'll talk briefly about the power list without giving too much away. Like I said, there's already been a couple of texts and messages might come my way. Um, any surprises, particular surprises in terms of maybe who's not in there? I mean, for me personally, no, not really, because it's kind of something we keep in mind all year round. Um, but, you know, I think when people read it, there's going to be there's certainly going to be some names in there which immediately people won't know. I'd be surprised if the majority knew who all 50 were. Um, but influence has always been an interesting word, and it's your it's 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 kind of how you perceive that word to work within boxing um, as to whether or not you agree with these choices. Well, I think there's an interesting case for Barney Francis, who's the head of. Sky Sports at 49. He has an enormous checkbook for sports, but a lot of that checkbook goes on Formula One and, and football. That's not me yeah. knocking him, that's not criticism at all. And in fact, obviously, Sky have done a tremendous job with boxing recently. And, you know, you think about the, the big Wembley show that we've had, which was just breathtaking. It has taken boxing to another level in this country, quite possibly. It's given, certainly given it a massive platform. Uh, but, you know, Barney's not throwing that whole wallet at the sport, so therefore how influential is he? It's kind of like saying if, if the head of sport at the BBC potentially can be massively influential by, by broadcasting boxing, but they're not doing it, well, where should they be on the list? It's hard to gauge people, and the, the higher you go up the food chain where you have you know, people who aren't even involved in boxing, but they can make, decision, make, make big decisions about boxing, it's hard to draw a line uh, with some of these people, but uh, I think that there's going to spark some, there'll be some lively debate sparked, I think, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And kind of going back to, to you know, the sky thing, I think there's, there's some people, I mean, I hope some people look at this because the, everybody that's listed here could have a real say in, in, in boxing, and I hope that they do read this list, have, a, have some interest in where, where they're where they are, where they're standing, and and try and make a difference for next year. Um, it's 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 a fascinating list, and I think you know boxing fans really should get to grips with it 
because there's nothing else like this available. Nobody else does this, and we've is this our third year now? Yeah, third year in a row. Yeah. So yeah, I think there's there's a lot of interesting stuff in there. If I do say so myself, um, interesting to see who's gone up, who's gone down, who are the new entries, and why people have gone out. Obviously, as new heads of the Nevada State Athletic Commission yeah, in New yeah. York as well. Um, Don Jose Suleiman passed away since since the last list, so so he's been replaced um, by Maurizio. Um, so it's all there's you know it's all very interesting to see where the guys are placed, and and there's a new number one, and some people might predict it, some people might not, but always interesting to have change at the top. And of course, one thing I should mention, and I put this in the column, is that it's all very always very fluid, isn't it, at the top? And for instance. Um, where Richard Schaefer goes next and what he decides to do could have a massive bearing on the top 10 and repercussions further down the list and obviously we're not, we don't know what Richard's going to decide to do whether he's even going to stay in boxing so you know how much influence does he have right now you could argue that he's got none because he's not aligned with anyone but I think you'd be a, be a fool to say that because if you were to go with him in Las Vegas to any kind of boxing convention you would soon see what kind of power he wields in those circles. Yeah, absolutely. I think the interesting thing as well, and it kind of brings it home a little bit with the, kind of, with the names we've mentioned so far, is <coughs> we haven't mentioned a boxer's name as yet yeah. in this top 50. And if you go through it, there's not that many boxers there, is there? Do you know what? And I, I, that is interesting. I, one I can say that isn't in it, but I saw was on a couple of the lists that we used to compile, is Carl Froch because now he obviously holds a lot of sway and a couple of the guys in, on the American lists that we got had included Carl Froch and you know it might have been in the, the lower reaches of, of the, the top 45 or 46 around there but he was there because you know he's perceived to have a lot of power now in America mm. it looks like he's going to call the shots for his next fight and that he can draw 80,000 people to Wembley Stadium gives him a, a vast amount of clout yeah, definitely. It's worth. It's 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 interesting. It's interesting. But I mean, I would be interested to um, to work out a percentage of of how many boxers are actually in the top fifty. Yeah, up against promoters, TV execs, exactly. trainers, managers. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Okay, so plenty of um, plenty of food for thought for anyone who's um, going to be looking into um, our power list. So it'd be interesting to get your feedback on Twitter as always. Um, I've mentioned uh, in the column Matt, about some of the fights coming up in this in this in the summer. Normally, it's quite slow. It seems to be almost every weekend we've got a massive fight. We'll talk about it more in more in more depth next week. But I've been working on the Yuriokis um, Gamboa Terence Crawford preview, and uh, it's a breathtaking fight, isn't it? It is. It is. Um, I think we've spoke several times about the brilliance of Yuri Orkis Gamboa and also how frustrating his career has been. Really, if you mean if you've been there from the start and you've you watched him progress as an amateur, and then he came onto the professional scene with several impressive explosions, you would have put your life on the fact that he probably would have already carved his own plaque for the Hall of Fame by now. But he's a long way off that. Um, and Terence Crawford, he looks—he's got the—he's got the air of, 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 of a star of the future about him. Um, 
Very, very tough fight to call. Where, where, what's your gut telling you about the fight? And my, initial, my initial reaction was that perhaps it had come a little bit too late for Yuri Orkis Gamboa. Very explosive fighter. But what is he now? Is he 32? Yeah, 32 and Crawford's hasn't been Hasn't been very active at all. Not sure the switch to 50 cent was, was the best move for his career at that point in time. Um, Crawford, full of beans, full of confidence, lovely style. Um, my first reaction was that Crawford might have just a bit too much for him. Also, he's going to be in his backyard as well, isn't it? It's his title. So, um, my first reaction was was Crawford. Okay, good stuff. Now, I think um, there's, well, I know there's some cracking fights on this weekend, but the one that stands out to me is Gary Russell Jr. against Vasil Lomachenko. Yeah, there's another one that's hard to call. Um, like you say, it is hard to call. Um, which way are you going? Because Russell hasn't, Russell hasn't proved himself as a professional yet, but then neither has Lomachenko. But then Lomachenko, what he needed to go into the last fight was 12 tough rounds, and he's arguably got that under his belt now, so now he's ticked that box. Is he ready for Russell? Yeah, I would say he is, because he was m pretty much ready for, for Orlando Salido. Um, you could make a case that he deserved that decision. Um, and I think in a fight like this, you have to kind of take, take their careers as a whole, not just look at their professional records. And, um, and you combine Russell, Russell's professional career and his amateur career, and you compare that to Lomachenko's amateur and professional career, and you would have to favour Lomachenko. However, Gary Russell Jr.'s fast hands, um, another, you know, pleasing on the eye, but he hasn't actually, he actually hasn't had the tests. But you do wonder if he is, could be one of those fighters who, you know, come fight time, could just look absolutely sensational. We've got Devin Alexander returning as well, and he hasn't got a give me, is he? He's, he's got he Jesus Soto Carras. Mm -hmm. um, should be a level above Carras, but we've seen Carras pull the, the party a few times for fighters. Um, what kind of fight do you expect? Because Alexander's not known for his tear-ups. No, and I think coming off the fight against Sean Porter, where you know Sean Porter really took it to him, and, and Alexander could not could not return fire sufficiently, and he was dominated, I thought, in that fight in the end, Alexander. Um, that he, he will try and keep Carras as far away from him as possible. Um, it reminds me of the Andre Berto fight, in that we thought that Andre Berto would have too much for Carras. Um, Karras is very much a testing foe for Alexander at this point in his career. I tell you what, bet, bet where you have uh, Soto Karras, a five to one underdog. It's cheeky five a time. <laughs> it is, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Get that money straight out. Um, no, I don't encourage betting, but yeah. <laughs> that, I think five to one is good odds for Soto Karras. I'm not saying he'll win, but like you say, cheeky fiver. Yeah, 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 definitely. Um, Alexander, because you know it looks to be you know, he, he was sitting around waiting for that Mayweather call, got toyed around with by Mayweather on Twitter, who then said, I'm going to fight Alexander. He didn't. I remember speaking to Alexander about it in Las Vegas. I think that's around that show called oh, the one, actually. <laughs> but I was speaking to him out there, and I almost and I spoke to him in the media centre, and I wanted him to almost say something controversial about Floyd, saying, you know, I'm fed up with waiting around for him, and, 
you know, he's fighting Canelo now and he's doing this, that and the other. He was just very respectful about Floyd and I think it, he, he's aware of the situation that he didn't want to jeopardise a potential fight with mm. Floyd by talking out of turn because we've seen Floyd uh, basically say to people, you know, you can't speak about me like that so I'm not going to give you that yeah. payday. So Alexander tried to be respectful, tried to take the upper ground and it's, it's cost him dearly. I mean, he said he overlooked Sean Porter in that fight and you can believe it, but now is the truth, you know, let's see what's left against... Jesus Soto Carras, because if there's not a lot, if there's not a lot left for Devon Alexander, he's going to have a hard night. He really is going to have a hard night. It's all well and good him overlooking Sean Porter, but I mean, to me, that wasn't that wasn't a close fight. You can people can be overlooked, and they can, you know, like Baldemir and Judah, as we were talking about earlier. They, you know, that wasn't all one-way traffic. They, but but to me, Porter just looked different class. And Alexander, you would have thought at his very best, that we've, but you just wonder if his interest has gone through all those reasons that you just mentioned before. Yeah. And if it has, then Soto Kras will find that out pretty quickly. On the bill, Robert Guerrero's coming back against Yoshiro uh, Kamagai. Well done. And um, Kamagai, four, five to one underdog, something around those prices. Guerrero, hefty, one to six on favourite. Um, 17 to 100 on with, with Betway, 15 to four on for Kamagai. Guerrero, I mean, you think they're, they're building it sort of a homecoming of sorts. Mm. He's, he's had been a little bit frustrated since he fought Floyd Mayweather. Um, how do you see things going for Guerrero? And what do you think he's got left after... after uh, I suppose in some ways for him, it's a bit like you talk about Brian Rose coming over to the States, yeah. going over to the States, fighting at the pinnacle, and you go back to a smaller show. You know, Is the motivation still there when you've been right up to that top level? I think it will be to an extent, but you know he also you know, he jumped through weights as well, and you do wonder if I would be surprised to see Guerrero win a world title again. Let's 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 put it that way. He's been one of the ridiculous beneficiaries of the amount of weight classes and the yeah, amount, amount of titles and titles around. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, not saying he's not a good fighter for, 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 for a second, but I remember when he dominated Michael Katsidis, do you remember that? And everyone yeah. thought that yeah. he was going to be quite possibly the next big thing, yeah. but I think that was probably the last really big beating that Katsidis took. Um, but yeah, Guerrero, you can't say it hasn't happened for him with his achievements and obviously the Mayweather fight, but um, promised a great deal maybe didn't quite follow through on, on what it looked like he would do. No, maybe not, maybe not. I saw, I watched some of his training the other day because he's doing some CrossFit. Right. And the, the, the CrossFit website has been pushing Guerrero a little bit because he's been doing their, their yeah. boxing or, you know, using some CrossFit for this fight. And his, his preparation has been, I've really enjoyed um, watching one of the workouts where he's done, um, Three, he's broken up the three-minute rounds, yeah. six three-minute rounds uh, with a minute interval. And the first minute, he rows for calories. Yeah. Uh, the second minute, he does um, burpees. Yeah. And then a CrossFit burpee, so you drop down to the floor, so your thighs and your chest touch the floor, and then you jump up. And then the third minute, skipping double-unders, and then you have your, your um, minute off, and then you repeat that round. Um, five more times and the idea is obviously to keep your scores level as you go along 
And it's brutal. It's absolutely <laughs> brutal. Really good. Really. I mean, it's it's interesting. If we talk about the evolution of training and different yeah. methods yeah. once in a while, and, and for Guerrero to embrace embrace CrossFit, and I think Martin Murray, who's fighting this weekend, mm. has done some CrossFit as well. Um, it's interesting to see the guys trying it out because you know I can't recommend it highly enough. It's um, it's difficult stuff. It's the only thing I've done that sort of made me. Um, made my lungs expire the same way that boxing used yeah, to, for sure. Yeah. Um, interesting show coming up in Monte Carlo. We talk about uh, Martin Murray fight for the vacant WBC silver middleweight title against Max Bursak. Uh, Murray, one fight from a world title, possibly. Possibly. Um, I think if he looks good in this one, um, it will open up. But the middleweight picture is since Cotto. Has come along. It's all got a little bit more, a little bit more complicated. I think. I think there's there's, there's more for and Solomon as well upsetting the apple cart with Felix Sturm. Suddenly, you know, the paths to the title have been blocked a little bit. I think the power shifted, hasn't it? A yeah. Bit as well. Yeah. Where the money is in the, in the in that division. Definitely. But I think that I think that Martin Murray, if he beats Bursak, who's no mug, um, you know, he's, he's probably an outsider in this fight. But it wouldn't be. He wouldn't be the upset of the year if Bursak beat Murray. But if Murray wins this fight, wins it clearly without controversy, he certainly deserves a title shot more than most in that middleweight division. Yeah, okay. Uh, one fight I've got to say I'm looking forward to seeing uh, Hecky Budler against uh, the tie for the WBA, for Budler's WBA um, strawweight title. Budler's always in exciting fights, and I think yeah. he's likely to be in another one this weekend. Um, on a show that's broadcast in this country on Box Nation. Um, I think that will be a, a belting fight. Um, in other news, Matt, just wanted to speak to you or wanted to get your pick of the fights. I've mentioned a few in the, in the ones that are coming up uh, this, um, this summer. Um, let me, I tell you what, give them a mark out of 10 for how, how, how how much you're looking forward to them? Okay. Okay, Frankie Gavin, Leonard Bundu. Uh, seven. Okay, I think I might have gone eight for that. I think it's a really good test for Gavin. Yeah, I think it's an overdue test for Gavin. Sean Porter, Kel Brook, if it happens. <laughs> um, eight. Okay, Chisora Fury. Nine. Golovkin Gill. Six. Derry Matthews, Terry Flanagan. Um, seven. Uh, Gary Sykes, Liam Walsh. That'd be a good fight. S eight, maybe, for that one. Canelo Lara. Nine. Nine. Yeah, in fact, that one, that one, probably 9.5, if, if I had to pick one above um, Chisora and Fury. I just, I'm, I'm fascinated by that fight. Absolutely fascinated by that one. Okay. So there's some absolute beauties coming up. So guys, we'll obviously be previewing them more in depth. Next week we'll be taking a really close look at Gamboa Crawford. Um, and thank you very much for joining us this week. We'll be back next week. Um, and we'll be uh, looking forward to it then. Matt, it might, might well be Matt and John because I've previewed Gamboa Crawford in the magazine. Um, so until next week, guys, thanks a lot. <laughs>